This afternoon I may proclaim to you what God's Word teaches about the Fifth Commandment. For that purpose, we'll also read what we confess in Lord's Day 39. Where the Church confesses the following, what does God require in the Fifth Commandment? That I show all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother, and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. After the sermon, we will respond together by singing from Psalm 37, stanzas 12 and 13. 30, Psalm 37, 12 and 13, after the sermon. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Ten Commandments are commonly divided into two sections, or sometimes they're called two tables of the law. The first four commandments teach us how to live in relation to God, and beginning with the fifth commandment, we're taught how to live in relation to our neighbor. And um, this is a common division, and it's helpful, but we should not think that the second part of the law only concerns our interactions with our neighbors. That's certainly not the Lord's intention. We take the fifth commandment, for example, we are told about the obligations that children have toward their parents. But note carefully that this command is equally about the obligation that parents have toward their children and also that children have towards God. For as we confess in Lord's Day 39, it is God's will that we are governed by our parents and by others in authority over us. So the first commandment, no less than the first four, places us before the question, how do we live, how are we supposed to live before the face of God? And not just the children, but also the parents. How should we honor and obey the Lord? And how are we responsible for the authority that we have received from the Lord? How do we deal with the children that God has given us? And note as well that there is a promise attached to this command. And that implies that our faithfulness to this command or our lack of faithfulness to this command has serious implications for our life here on earth and even for our eternal future. So I proclaim to you God's word as it comes to us in the fifth commandment. Under this theme, God commands us to honor our parents. We'll consider the goal of this command and the practice of this command. So this command confronts us with a, with a very practical matter. How do children, or how should children and parents interact with one another? And that's always a very timely topic because in family life we always encounter problems and difficulties. Then that's to be expected when sinners live together 24-7, you are going to end up with difficulties. Difficulties between parents and children, between Husbands and wives, 
And of course, that happens in the world, but it also happens in the church. We are not immune to those things. There's nothing new under the sun. And we shouldn't think either that kids nowadays are way worse than kids 50 years ago or a thousand years ago. Nor should we think that parenting is so much harder today than it ever was before. Children and parents today have to struggle with their sinful inclinations no less than parents and children of past generations. Just think of Old Testament examples. Think of the families of the patriarchs. Jacob, for example. He had a very favorite son, and that caused all kinds of problems in his family, didn't it? Joseph was a spoiled young man, and his brothers were envious of him. Think of one of Jacob's sons, who even slept with Jacob's concubine. A very, very some very difficult problems in that family. And of course today we have, we have different things to deal with than our grandparents did or parents a hundred years ago, but one thing has not changed, and that is that the hearts of parents and children alike remain as sinful today as they ever were. Parents and children today need the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit no less than past generations And it is in this context that the Lord speaks to us with the fifth commandment. And not only in the context of family, but in the context of all authority. So this commandment also speaks to the authority of office bearers and of teachers in school, as well as the civil authorities. The fifth commandment addresses or speaks to all authority. And one of the questions that we have to be able to answer is, What exactly does God mean by authority, and what does and why does the Lord require obedience to authority? Or to put it very simply, boys and girls, why do you have to listen to your parents? Why do you have to listen to your teachers? Is it because they're such wonderful people? Well, that's what most people would tell you, but that's not the right answer because authority does not rest in the person or the quality of the person. Recognizing and submitting to authority, brothers and sisters, is a matter of faith. And not recognizing authority, not submitting to authority, is the result of unbelief. And yes, we may say it that strongly, because ultimately the decisive factor is, do you want to listen to God or not? And it's really important to keep that in mind. That means you have to obey your boss, even if he's not the greatest manager. You still have to do your homework, even though you think that the teacher is highly unfair and demanding way too much of you. Our culture says, assert yourself. But the word of God says, submit yourself. Our sinful inclination is to say, I am my own boss. You're not the boss of me. One of the most popular songs ever written was a Frank Sinatra song called, I Did It My Way. And some of the lyrics goes like this. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. And I planned each charted course, each careful step along life's way. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. But God's word tells us we don't have the right to self-determination. And if we ignore the word of God, we end up in chaos because then there is no order. 
And yet, of course, as Christian parents, we also struggle with the question, how far do we go in setting rules for our children? How much freedom do we give them? Well, the key to answering questions like that is to understand how God blesses children through the authority of parents. What is God's goal? Well, God's goal for parental authority becomes clear when we connect the fifth commandment to the preamble of the law. There the Lord says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So the Lord is bringing them from slavery. That means he is bringing them to a place of safety. He is bringing them from slavery to the promised land. And we find a connection to that promise in the fifth commandment. There the Lord says, if you honor your father and your mother and those in authority over them, I promise you that you may live long in the land that I am going to give you. In other words, do you want to remain in the freedom that the Lord has obtained for you and that he's given you? Well, then listen to your parents and listen to your elders. Listen to those in authority over you. Well, to understand what this means for us, we should first understand what this meant for the children of Israel. They were slaves to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They had a terrible time there, of course. They didn't have an opportunity to serve the Lord. They didn't have time for it. They were not allowed to honor the Sabbath day, and they were mistreated and abused. And they couldn't go to church, so to speak. And what happens when you can't go to church? Well, then your faith begins to shrink doesn't it? Because it's not being fed and you may even lose it. That's what happened to the Israelites. Their faith became weaker and weaker. They didn't even believe anymore that the Lord could save them from Pharaoh. But they were wrong, weren't they? Because the Lord did do what he promised. He kept his promise. And that entire generation of Israelites, they witnessed and experienced the mighty works of God, the ten plagues by which God Um, rescued them from slavery, and he brought them out of Egypt. But think about the little children. Did they understand all of this? Especially the younger ones. Maybe they thought that they were just going on a long trip. Or maybe for some of them it felt like a holiday. Or they were just going to another place. But you see, congregation, that's where the authority of the parents comes in. They had to explain to the children... We're not just going on a trip. We're not going on a vacation. But the Lord is bringing us to the promised land. That's what's happening. The Lord is bringing us to a place where we can worship Him freely. We're leaving Egypt because we couldn't go to church there. There we were slaves. But the Lord has freed us. And is bringing us to a place where we can live in freedom. And it's clear from Scripture that the message of freedom and redemption had to be passed on by fathers to their children. You can read about that in Deuteronomy 6. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then the fathers were instructed to point them to Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And we read that a similar, in a similar vein from the book of Joshua. And congregation, when we understand this, then we also see more clearly the importance of the fifth commandment for today. We have not been physically rescued from Egypt, but we have been redeemed from sin and Satan. 
And just as the Lord wanted to bring Israel to a place and a land of safety, he wants us to live in safety as well. And boys and girls, that's why you need to honor your parents and listen to them. Your parents have the responsibility to explain to you what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. They have to explain to you what it means that you were baptized and the promises that you received at your baptism, that the Father cares for you, the Son washes away your sins, the Holy Spirit unites you to Christ. And just like the Israelite boys and girls didn't understand what was going on when they left Egypt, boys and girls today don't remember their baptism either, do they? Unless it's explained to them. And that's why the task of parents is so important. Today many people don't think that way. But that's not how God views parents. God regards the work of parents very highly. Being a mother is not inferior work, quite the opposite. Mothers do tremendously important work. You ever note that in the Old Testament, it's very significant, in the Old Testament, whenever the name of a king is mentioned, a new king comes to the throne, not only the name of his father is mentioned, but also the name of his mother. Mothers have enormous influence in the world. Mothers give life to the next generation They raise the next generation of fathers and mothers and children and leaders and elders and ministers. And in that way, they also have enormous influence in the world or in the church. Your sons will become the leaders of future generations. And I'm not trying to say that fathers should shove off the responsibility of nurturing their children. That's very clear from passages like Deuteronomy 5 and 6 and Joshua chapter 4 that we read together. The Lord is expecting fathers to be responsible for bringing up their children in the fear of the Lord. The Lord expects the fathers of the church to be walking encyclopedias to answer the questions that their children have about the Lord and about doctrine and about faith and about church. Fathers are always called to be ready to speak to their children about the works of the Lord and the salvation that he brings for his people. And so we see how the fifth commandment speaks to mothers and fathers. But it also speaks to everyone who is in a position of authority. So this this commandment extends beyond the family. The family is, is the beginning of authority, right? That's where children first meet authority. But in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, the word father has a much broader meaning. It can include a person who is a teacher, a judge, or an elder, or even a king. Think of Deborah, Judges chapter 5. She was a judge in Israel. She was also called a mother in Israel. And all these mothers and fathers who possessed authority, they had the responsibility to lead and instruct God's people to live according to God's will. They had to lead the people in the freedom that God had obtained for them. And so today, if you are someone who carries authority, whether you're a teacher, a parent, an office bearer in the church, or you have another position of authority, then you may know that it, is, that it pleases the Lord to use your authority 
And why is that? Well, that's because the Lord, through your authority, wishes to bless those who are under your authority. I'll repeat that. The Lord, through your authority, wishes to bless those who are under your authority. And what is that blessing? Well, very simply, it's eternal life. Peace with God. That is God's goal and purpose with the fifth commandment. That you may live long in the land which the Lord your God has given you. That you may have peace with God. That you may live forever with Christ on the new heavens and the new earth. The eternal promised land. That is the reason that God grants authority and the reason we must honor authority. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? Those who have authority, parents, teachers, elders, others, can only exercise that authority because God in Christ has redeemed them for that task. And at the same time, he wants to use these redeemed authority figures to bring others to eternal life. And so anyone who has authority must be conscious of their high calling Parents, we have the high calling to raise our children in the fear of the Lord. And children, we have the responsibility to honor our parents. Why? Because the Lord intends the children to reach eternity along with their parents. And we might ask ourselves, well, how how can I fulfill this calling? With my many weaknesses and failings, I am so often inadequate. Sometimes I feel like I'm just blindly stumbling along in my task. And yet, you may and you must insist that your children or your students or whoever, that they honor your authority. Because ultimately it is God who insists that that authority is honored. And of course that's the only reason you may insist on it. And then it's also important that parents do insist that their authority is honored because without authority, God's word is not being honored and chaos will result. So it's important that children encounter that authority in the home and that discipline is encountered in the home already at an early age. Children ought to learn that dad and mom aren't there to jump whenever they want. Even little babies need to learn that mom is not going to come running every time they howl and scream. And why is that so important? Because we all need to grow up to be self-disciplined people. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. If we don't learn discipline at an early age, we will not be able to learn self-discipline when we get older. The book of Proverbs, for example, is full of this kind of advice. And we learn from that book that that families are blessed if dad and mom are honored in the home. Today there are many parents who try to bargain with their children instead of disciplining their children. And the result is sad to witness. Then you see parents who are ruled by undisciplined, tyrannical little toddlers 
And the result is that those little tyrants become self-absorbed and self-serving adults. Just consider the life and the family of Eli, the priest, and his two undisciplined sons, Hophni and Phinehas. He let his sons get away with theft and adultery in the tabernacle. And he, the only thing he did was say, boys, what you're doing is not very good. But he didn't do a thing about it. And in the end, the Lord punished Eli and his son severely. And so, boys and girls, you ought to be thankful if your parents have rules. And even if they are fairly strict, loving but strict. But then parents, we also have to make it clear to our children as to why we insist on honor and obedience. That's because self-discipline helps you to live closer to the Lord. And so it should become clear that parents don't just exist simply to satisfy the desires and the cravings of their children. Mom's primary task is not to keep the, the cookie jar full on the counter. And dad's main job is not to make sure there's enough money so the kids can all go to baseball and hockey and whatever else they want to do. Proverbs chapter 3, there's a father speaking to his son, and he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Well, that implies that the father is busy, busy teaching. And that's why, practically speaking, it's so important that you keep your Bible on the counter, so to speak, right beside the cookie jar, or on the dash of your car, and maybe another copy on your phone. And that you use it too, and your children see you use it. The most important thing in the life of your children is not a good education, and not even that they develop their talents and abilities, but the most important thing is that they learn the fear of the Lord. That comes first. That's imperative because that is a matter of life and death. The fear of the Lord must be imprinted on the minds of our children, with authority and with earnestness. As we are instructed in Deuteronomy 6, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. There is an urgency to the fifth commandment, congregation. Why? Because Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. We live in the last days. The Lord Jesus could return any time. He could come back this afternoon or tomorrow, and then you have to be ready. And as long as he is not here yet, we have to prepare ourselves and our children for his return. Teach our children to live according to God's word. So, maybe it's a good time to ask, how much time do we take for this task? What kind of atmosphere is there in our homes? Can our children tell that we have a zeal for the Lord and that we love the Lord, that we love his word, that we're busy with his word? Is there a time to talk about God's word in your home? Do your children see that you love the church? Because if you love the head of the church, you must love his body. And that you love God's people. 
Do they hear it in the way you talk about the office bearers? Can your children see that you support the church financially? Do they know that you support the church financially and do you teach them to do likewise? That you support the church with your prayers but also with your wallet? Can you talk to your children about your faith and about the riches of the gospel? Do you speak to them about what it means to live according to God's commandments? And is there an atmosphere of trust in the home? Can your children come to you with embarrassing questions? This commandment gives us a lot to think about, doesn't it? As raising our children is an incredibly wide-ranging task. But it's a task that the Lord gives you, parents. And therefore you may speak with authority. In fact, you must speak with authority. Also when it comes to discipline. The Lord requires that we discipline our children. The Bible tells us he who loves his child is diligent to discipline him. But then we have to keep in mind that we may never separate authority and discipline from faith. Punishment then is never the last word. After punishment comes forgiveness. That means that you pray with your child. That together you ask the Lord to forgive your child for their wrongdoing but that you also ask the Lord to forgive you if your anger and your reaction was over the top. That's how you show children what grace looks like. That's how you show the children the love of their Heavenly Father. That's how they learn to understand the love of God for sinners. And then they also experience how faith in God dictates your authority over them and your love for them. And that is how parents can avoid provoking their children to anger, as Paul writes about in Ephesians 6. And then it's important for you, boys and girls, young people of the church, you must also remember to honor your parents. And that's a word that's not quite the same as obey. To honor your parents means to hold them in high regard because they have an office. God has given your your parents, an office of authority. And while honoring includes obedience, it's more than that. It means that you have to admit to yourself and really believe that your parents have authority over you. They really do stand above you. You may not simply treat them as equals, like your buddies at school, even though you may consider them to be your friends. And that really counts for all levels of authority, brothers and sisters. Honoring those who are in authority over us means that we respect their position, that we support them in that position, that we pray for them, and we are even faithful to them. That includes being patient with their weaknesses and shortcomings. Because parents and teachers and office bearers too are sinful people with weaknesses and shortcomings. We need the cleansing blood of our Lord Jesus Christ no less than the children, no less than anyone else. And that's why we all need to treat one another with care. 
Parents have to treat their children with care because they have been bought with a price. The precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And boys and girls, treat your parents with honor and care because they too have been bought with that same price. The precious blood of your Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, we fail. And we fail miserably sometimes. But we're also redeemed. By God's grace, our work as parents and as children, our work as elders and church members, it's redeemed. It gets redeemed by Christ's blood. And our Redeemer has given redeemed parents the task to lead redeemed children to eternal redemption. That's why children must honor their parents. Because they're going to the same place. That's the goal. And so be patient with their weaknesses. And yes, that gets difficult at times. And boys and girls, just remind yourself then, the Lord has a whole lot more patience with you than you could ever have with your parents. And parents, let's remind ourselves too that the Lord has a whole lot more patience with us than we ever have with our children. It's not easy to live according to the fifth commandment, not for parents, not for children, not for teachers, not for students, not for office bearers, and not for members in the church. Being obedient and submissive is a hard thing to do because it goes against the grain. We don't like it. But we have a mighty weapon, brothers and sisters, the weapon of prayer. The Lord wants to help us in the struggle against sin. And he is willing and able to forgive all of our weaknesses and shortcomings. He's willing to forgive it all. He is a loving God. He loves to forgive. And therefore, obedience to the fifth commandment must become a matter of prayer. Pray for yourself. Pray for your parents. Pray for your children. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your students. Pray for your elders and deacons. Pray for the members of the congregation, those under your care. Because that is the only way that we help each other on the way to the eternal promised land. Amen.